Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman. As you guys may see, we're in a totally different studio. So this is the first time we're doing it with my brother, Matthew. Guys, we all know that New Year, new me bullshit's coming up. It's starting tomorrow. Uh, me and my brother, Matthew, we're going to be talking about some subjects that are they're not as sexy, but they're actually needed. So we're going to be talking about how to get healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, especially if you're struggling with addiction like I know I have. So, guys, make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell because you're going to want to save this and share this. My brother, Matthew, we've been friends for uh, a quick minute. We just became real close friends. I consider him a brother in Christ and somebody that I look up to. And, of course, South Carolina, Gamecocks. Uh, so, Matthew, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing today? Well, man, I don't know how to respond after that introduction, brother. I love you, man, and I really don't know where to go. Can we just end this now? Because it's not getting any better than that, like truly. You know, I love you, and I love everything you're doing. Um, you have an amazing channel. I love watching it every day. And I can't – you're growing by leaps and bounds every day. But, you know, for people that are watching us, you know, they see this now. They don't see the shitty parts that we live. You know, they, they think it was all rainbows and unicorns. So give us a quick down and dirty on who Matthew is. Where did you come from? And how did you become the, the force that you are today? Well, man, uh, I was a professional hypocrite. Um, I had a doctorate in hypocrisy, bro. Um, you know, it's been a long, hard road. We can start at the end. Um, if you can just picture me drunk, passed out in the back of my SUV in my gym parking lot, um, waking up, doing a line of cocaine to get up and be able to go train people as a personal trainer, um, and then doing bumps the whole day to make it through the day just to do it again at night. Um, I, I literally was a professional hypocrite. Um, and I, it took me surrendering and understanding, you know, we often hear that um, you know, real change only happens when you get sick enough of your own crap. But the implied task there that's often missed is you have to realize it's your own crap. Um, and enough people don't realize that. I had to realize it. And it took me almost 20 years, man. Uh, my entire adult life, really. Um, you know, I spent, I was on the initial invasion in Iraq. Um, I enlisted 10 days before 9-11, much to my parents' chagrin. Um, and you know, that went about as well as you can expect it to. Um, uh, I, I have some brothers for life and I lost a lot of them, um, in the process. Um, you know, I got a lot of struggles and, um, everything from PTSD to survivor's guilt, um, developed a nice case of alcoholism, <laughs> um, which later became drug addiction, um, and being impatient for suicide. Um, and it finally ended this year. So that's where we are. Um, so now I like to say, I have a P go ahead. Let me ask you a question because, um, let's get back. I want to hop, hop in the way back machine a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, like when I joined the army, I was 17. Um, I became a professional alcoholic at that age. 
Uh, so, but what was your experience like joining the military as a young man? Did it feed your addiction or did it not, did it not, did it didn't start yet? Well, I'll tell you, and, and the culture is changing a little bit, I believe, but you know, you don't talk about things in the military back then. Um, I mean, I've been out now 15 years and it's hard to believe that I enlisted, you know, what is that 20 years ago? Um, well, 21 or 22 really. Um, but you, you don't, what you do when you're struggling is you drink and in your off time you drink. Um, you don't talk about things that are hard. You drink, um, by the end of my career. I mean, I was walking, um, and I say career, it was six years, but you, we would walk around with a Coke bottle, a 20 ounce Coke bottle and have dumped a mini bottle or two in that and just walk around and do that. Um, I had friends that whose nightstands were kegerators. Um, you would hear a sound cracking, the can cracking open, um, at 5am before I went for a run. So that, that was the culture. I think it's changing a little bit now, hopefully. Um, but it absolutely was. You drank, you partied, um, under the guise of barbecues, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was, it was incessant. So, um, it only grew worse when I got out. Um, and the alcoholism was a symptom of something much, much greater. All right. So then, you know, I'm no professional guys knows, uh, um, I'm, I am only in ninth grade education, but I've interviewed over now over 550 people, including psychiatrists, psychologists. So I might learn a little bit, but I find that people that act out as adults, it's usually because of trauma that happened between the ages of three and 13. And then you add alcohol to the mix, you add war to the mix, and all of a sudden you have a perfect storm. That was my experience. Um, is that your experience also? No, man. Um, and, and I think it, it, that is very normal. Uh, you know, we've talked offline about yours um, as we've grown our, our connection. Um, and there is usually a trauma, whether it's, you know, alcoholism, drug abuse, food, you know, any of those things. There's usually It's usually trauma driven. With me, man, I, I legitimately have the greatest family in the world. Um, I had the white picket Southern South Carolina, you know, family and they're amazing. They're incredible. Um, that wasn't it at all. Um, I think that a lot of it came from that, you know, there were things that bothered me, you know, I'm writing about it now, um, that I struggled with, you know, it was fitting in and things like that, but it abs, um, it wasn't not my family trauma. It was, um, just not knowing where to fit in, never um, really having a place. I played, you know, every sport known to man, but I wasn't a jock. I was smart and, and excelled in school, but didn't want to be a nerd. So, you know, I kind of morphed into that bully acting out, being a complete jerk. Um, and I think that it's <clears throat> when you combine that with war and having a big heart, though, and never feeling accepted, and then you add that on top of it, um, it just created my own storm, right, of um, escape and more so avoidance, right? 
Okay, so now you join the military. Oh, first you got to tell me your recruiting story because everybody has a, a recruiting story. What was your recruiting story? Oh man, my recruiter never lied to me at all, right? I mean, my recruiter was 100% honest and had my best interest in mind. That was a lie. Um, you know, I, I scored off the charts on the ASVAB because I was smart um, before I drank all my brain cells away. Um, but, you know, I, I did really well, and he convinced me to go into military police. Um, and, you know, no recruiting bonus, no sign-on bonus, no choice of duty station, five-year minimum. Um, and you know what, man, I wouldn't change a thing, um, because it led me here, but yeah, it was, it, he was a fabricator. <laughs> so what, what was the decision to join the military? You know, I had left college. I had a scholarship, um, for academics and, uh, I, it didn't go well. I never really wanted to go. It's just what you do, right? You know, there's those standards. You grow up, you go to college, you meet a good girl, you get married, you you work your job, you know, and then you die. Um, and so um, I remember sitting out back uh, talking to my dad and he was a Marine. He grew up on a farm with basically nothing. And his dad passed when he was 17 um, he got two associate's degrees and says he has a four year. Um, he's a great man. Um, and he was, he enlisted in the Marine Corps at the age of 17 during Vietnam. And he, he holds fast to, um, I may not have a lot and I wasn't given a lot. Um, but what I have, I've earned it and it's mine. And I enlisted the next day. Okay. So now, we don't tell war stories or anything like that here because it's usually that's not the interesting part for me. The part is what happens afterwards. And I just had a gentleman on um, Lieutenant Colonel yesterday uh, and we were talking about how he was a, a helicopter gunship pilot and how he knows that even though he couldn't see the people, he know that he killed women and children and how he had to deal with it afterwards. So I'm more interested in how we deal with things when we get out of the military. So now you do six years, you do a couple deployments, you're out, you you did what you did. And I find, and the people I've talked to, when you step off base to leave the military, no matter you know what rank you were, what service you were, the military does not give a shit about you. You lose your camaraderie, you lose your mission, you don't have a paycheck coming in anymore. And a lot of us get real lonely and we get in our head and then we get into the bottle of whiskey or the bottle of beer. So what was your transitioning out of the military like? Yes. Um, it, you know, I got hurt along the way, um, had some surgery stuff and, um, you know, I got really overweight, um, again, another symptom, right? Um, and I bounced around jobs, um, you know, got fired because um, I just was trying to find a rush and was stealing stuff or fighting anybody you could meet, you know, and I was a wreck, man. Um, I was angry. 
Um, I was resentful. Um, I was mad at myself. You know, um, they they kind of teach you, you know, to kill and be on high alert and to be ready at all times, but they don't teach you how to stop. And I think that's a lot of the problem. Um, and you, you lose your own identity. Um, it's not a war story, but I'll share something that caused a very limiting belief in me, myself um, that held me back for a long time. Um, it was about 2003, and it was a town called Samara, if you remember that town. It was the dead center of the Sunni Triangle. And we lost two Abrams in a week in that town. Now, I was obviously not in a tanker unit. I was a military police unit. Um, and we had non-up-armored Humvees, you know, the ones with no doors, no armor, sandbags on the ground, no shield for the gun. You're just chilling on top. Um, flat jackets, you know, the old ones that can't stop mm -hmm. anything. Um, and they told us that we were going into that town. And we were like, uh, excuse me, what are we going to do when they just blew up two Abrams? And they let us know, and I just figured this out recently. Um, they said, listen, the Abrams is worth $6.24, $6.42 million dollars. Each one of you guys is worth 250000 Those tanks are worth more than all of you. And that really instilled in me the fact that I did not matter. I was a number. My dad had told me, and my parents did a great job of telling me that I mattered. But that's pretty concrete stuff, right? Um, and he had told me, when you're in, you're a number. Obviously, people don't understand what G.I. Joe means. It means government issued, you know? You know, if we want you to have a wife, you'll have a wife. Yeah. And I understand why it's that way. I get it. Um, but it's so much to the point so that even to this day, if somebody asked me for the, my last four of my phone number, I start spouting off my social security number, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that was a lot of it really for me was just thinking that I didn't matter. You know, somebody would tell me their story or tell me their traumas and what was going on in their life. And I'm just like, suck it up, dude. Like, you're not special. You don't matter. Like, you're not a snowflake. And I did a lot of damage to people that way um, by, by reinforcing that same thing that was hurting me and others. All right, so before we go on, because I, I want to I dig deep into, into that. Um, I want to thank our sponsors. As you guys know, I was with GNC for almost 30 years. Um, I love pre-workouts, but they all tasted like ass. So I came out with my own pre-workout, my own vertical momentum coffee. If you guys love coffee, check it out. Twice the amount of caffeine, twice the amount of energy, um, all made by veterans' hands. And 100% of the proceeds go to help Project Die Hard which is actually helping veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. We're building something to where up to 12 veterans can come for a whole year, get taken care of mentally, physically, spiritually, and two, and two active duty, I mean, two veterans with their families can come and we're going to feed their whole family, take care of them for a whole year. So if you guys love coffee with a mission, Pick out some of some of the coffee. I'm drinking it right now. I get high on my own supply. So, so guys, <laughs> if you love coffee with a mission, if you love coffee with a mission, check it out. Also, one of the ways the ways that me and Matthew met 
is through some of our friends, Ian and Eric, through uh, the Phoenix, the Phoenix group, which actually it's a group of men that are trying to become better in life and in business. So if you guys would be interested in trying to become a better businessman, husband, father, and and all around better guy, uh, make sure you write Phoenix down below and I'll get you that information. So Matthew, take us back um, to getting out of the military because everybody, I know that my come to Jesus moment, I had a few of them, but my sobriety Jesus moment came 34 years come tomorrow um, when I almost got locked up and did five years for grand larceny. But somebody saved me and made me go to AA, and that's what changed me. So what was your come to Jesus moment when you finally said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Man, um, I tell you, there were so many where I knew it, where you get those signs and, and you, you know, this is where I'm going to change. But you're trying to do it on your own, right? Um, it happened this year, bro. Um, and I tell you, <laughs> excuse me, it's, you know, I still get emotional over it. And I don't know that I ever won't. Um, it, it was the day before Memorial Day. And I went over to a client's pool. Um, I'd been, uh, I'd grown up on the street with her husband. So they were like, hey, come over to the pool, you know, whatever. And man, I polished off like a 24 pack of beer. And then I went back and we were drinking, you know, drinks. And um, I ended up knowing the neighbor and we ended up ordering, you know, some cocaine. And then the husband saw me with it on my face, man. Um, and it's just, that's disgusting. Like, you know, but it really boils down to whether they see it or not. It's still disgusting, right? But there we go back to that professional hypocrite. And then I kept going and then, you know, I had one client the next day and then went through my DoorDash and, and Netflix pass out routine and did it again another day and then did it again that Friday. And I was working with a wonderful woman, you know, who's a registered dietitian. And um, she's like, we met for a drink and then I kept going. And it was at a brewery here locally that's all veteran owned. They're great guys. Um, and man, I racked up a $385 tab at that place. I would do that by myself. Um, and, you know, I went back to somebody's house and the next day after passing out in my car and, you know, my guy texted me and he goes, Hey bro, you owe me some money. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? And he goes, well, you ordered for me last night. Like you came and grabbed this bag for me. And, um, and I was like, no, I didn't. I had no recollection of this whatsoever. It was in my pants and it was my second eight ball that week, bro. That's, that's a lot. Um, and I was like, I need to stop. I spent the whole weekend in a crying, depressive state. I couldn't move. I was throwing up and I just, you know, you, I, so a cat could sneeze and I would start crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yep. and I was like, okay, I'm done. Well, that Wednesday, um, I went up and was hanging out with a friend of mine up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we went out to have some food and I was like, yeah, I'm not drinking, but it was a pretty day. You know, it's gorgeous. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to have a glass of wine here at this wine bar. And she was like, well, I thought you weren't drinking. I was like, ah, it's just one. Come on. We've all said that, right? 
Um, and then we kept going. I was like, yeah, but now you need to try this. We got to do this. And we got to do this. And she, we ended up at this little Irish pub and um, she, she's like, I think it's time to go home. I was like, yeah, but there's a band coming. And she said, well, you know, it's not for three hours. And I said, well, you know, I've only had a couple. She's like, you've had eight. And I was like, oh, all right, I guess we can go. And I sat there on her couch and, and I said, uh, if, if I'd have stayed, I'd have shut that place down, wouldn't I? She said, yeah. And I said, I'd have missed my clients tomorrow, wouldn't I? And she said, yeah. So I went to sleep and I drove back, you know, about four in the morning and I just started praying. And I was like, hey, man, that's how I pray sometimes, right? Like, just it's my relationship with God. And I said, hey, man, listen, I know I need to stop. I'm aware of it. And I don't get to tell you what to do, but if you could give me a sign, that'd be really neat. Right. So four and a half hours later, a client of mine's late and my attorney calls me. And he said, Matthew, were you sitting down? And I said, no, sir. I was battling a DUI from three years before. And he, he went through the whole spiel and he said, anyway, the whole case is dismissed. Four and a half hours after I prayed for a sign. I hit my knees in that alleyway right outside of my gym and I looked up and I put my hands up and I said, never again, never again, take it from me, never again. And then my client walked up. I got tears streaming down my face. And he's like, what are you doing weirdo? And I was like, I don't drink. <laughs> and he's like, what? I was like, I don't drink. He's like, okay. <laughs> and I haven't touched it since. I love it. So now I was with, like I said, I was with GNC for over 30 years. Uh, been to several Arnold's, Mr. Olympia's, many friends that are IFBB pros. I got several Mr. Olympia's that are like Lee Haney's. That one of my friends I talk to all the time. Um, but the fitness industry is a fucked up industry. Excuse my language. You know, most got most, a lot of guys and girls that are look great on the outside, like Craig Titus, you know, some people that um, went to jail because of the drugs and the alcohol. I mean, you know, look at Rich Piana from 5% Nutrition. Looks great on the outside, all trashed up on the inside. So how is it trying to keep up appearances, looking healthy from the outside, but really crumbling on the inside? That's just another level of hypocrisy. And I think that um, that's a lot of something that a lot of people struggle with. They just don't identify with it as hypocrisy. Is when your actions and your priorities don't line up and your priorities actually don't line up with your priorities. There's going to be this overwhelming sense of a burden on your heart and inside. And you're going to try to fill it in some other way. And it, it really does boil down, in my opinion, to something lacking inside. You don't do those things. You don't sit there and shoot yourself up with all, you know, those narcotics or steroids or drink yourself like that if you're happy. So, you know, our industry is 
loaded with hypocrisy. Um, and I think that a lot of times what happens is we go into this guise of trying to help others and being so forceful about it because we can't even help our own selves. And I 100% agree. Okay, but now one thing that I love about you, Matthew, is me and you are both big on priorities. We're both big on habits. We're both big on, you know, what you do today will predict your future five years from now. So, like, when I got sober, um, well, I, I was still drunk when I went to my first AA meeting 34 years ago. I'm, I'm downstairs in a basement at 20 years old, uh, hungover, drinking nasty coffee, drinking nasty cookies, sitting there with 40-year-old guys looking around and saying, I am where I belong. And they told me, you know, you can't go back to people, places, and things. So I had to start changing my habits. And that's why I love you because this is something you're, you harp on a lot. So talk to us that the day after or the day of and the day after you got up off your knees, obviously you can't do the same things you were doing before. So you had to change your habits. So how did you go about reimagining and reinventing your life from that moment on? Man, that's it. it habits and priorities do matter. Um, but what I would say right there, um, the, the step before that, you have to change your identity. And what I mean by that is if you identify still as somebody that, Hey, I'm trying to quit drinking. You still identify as a drinker versus when I got up, I said, I don't drink. I didn't identify as a recovered alcoholic or recovering alcoholic. I identified as a sober person that does not drink. And the same thing goes forward with anything, right? Like whether it's, you know, your family, I am a family man, not somebody who's trying to spend more time with my family, but I am a family man. Or, you know, let's use this example. You know, if somebody's trying to quit smoking, right. Um, and, and they're stopped the same day and they're standing outside of a bar because alcohol is a huge trigger for a lot of smokers. Right. Um, they kind of go together and you, somebody walks out and says, Hey, does anybody want to, either one of you guys want a cigarette? And one person says, no, thanks. I don't smoke. And the other person says, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. Who do you think is going to give in? And who do you think's not? So once you change that identity, right. Or in the health and fitness field, I am a healthy person. Not I'm trying to lose weight. Right. You have to take that control back. And then once you do that, you can align your priorities with it. And then once you line up your priorities, then you can build your habits incrementally around that. Okay. So now I had somebody ask me, I think it was yesterday. They said, Rich, you got all these years clean, blah, blah, blah. And they said, what is the difference between being dry and being sober? My answer was somebody that's dry is somebody that doesn't drink, but still an asshole. Somebody that's sober is somebody that doesn't drink and is trying not to be an asshole anymore. 
So, you know, because I hear that all the time. Like I've been, like I said, I've been around her rooms for 30 years, 34 years. And it seems like I can go back to the same meeting 10 years from now. And just because the person drunk doesn't drink, they didn't change their other, other parts of their lives. You know, because I'm like, okay, you got sober, but you don't, you know, you don't have a business, you don't have a house, you don't have a car, you're not doing anything but not drinking. That's not living, right? Have you right. ever felt that or talked to people like that? 100%, absolutely. All right, so now talk to us about, because we all know tomorrow is New Year's Eve. It's all the New Year's, New New Year, New Me bullshit. Um, if somebody is looking to really change their life, resolutions are not the answer. And I just did a post about that today, and it's going to go out later about you know how resolutions are bullshit. So talk to us about let's get let's get real about getting healthy for the New Year and for life, not just for 2023. Absolutely, man. And I'll tell you, I, that that phrase, dis, I despise it. Because um, here's the thing. You're still you. You just need to be a better version of you. So it's new year, maybe best me, better me. You can't change who you are. You can only reveal who you are made to be and become the best version of that. So the implied task there is you need to dig deep and see what's been holding you back. Right? So that part sucks. Bad. Right? But then what we want to do is, for myself this year, and I challenged everybody around me, I know you saw it, make a declaration. Make a declaration of who you are going to become. Change your identity. Right? Like, I am going... You know, everything in my life now is a heck yes or a heck no. There's no maybe. Right? Like if you said, hey, Matthew, do you want to record a podcast tomorrow? And I didn't immediately go, absolutely. Then the answer is no. Um, so a friend of mine phrased this recently. Um, and this is a declaration too. I'm going to view everything in my life as an investment or a bill. It's either making me better or it's taking away from me. And that can be applied to the people you're around, you know, are they talking crap, right? You Like you said, you have to change your environment. So those are where we should start. You can't try to become a healthier, better version of yourself if you're surrounding yourself with the same negative people, the same stupid news, the same music that's sitting there talking crap about women and being angry. You have to change those things, which will allow you to then change the direction of where you're going. And we have to set up those small little sustainable habits, right? Like, hey, bro, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. Well, hold on, Sparky. You're not going at all right now. What's your bare minimum? Yeah. Well, when life's really crazy too, let's get really great at two, right? Because think about it this way from a psychological standpoint. Let's say somebody says three is their minimum, right? Richard, if I say, hey, if you tell me you're going to go to the gym five days a week, right? But you go four, how do you feel that you went four and didn't live up to five? You feel like crap because you didn't say what you do what you said you were going to do. 
So then if we set up a realistic, sustainable goal of three, not goal, standard, right? Because goals have a built-in failure factor. Standards do not. You have to set new standards for yourself. But if you say three, if I'm your coach and I and you tell me three, but you went four this week, how are you going to feel? And you're going to feel much better about yourself. Do you think that would cause you to go a little bit more? Yeah. Do you think that will intrinsically motivate you to change some other things? Yep. That's how I like to approach it. All right. So now let me ask you, because like I said, I have many friends in the fitness industry. Uh, somebody that I always looked up to and was Dorian Yates. And he went to the gym, even if it was just three times a week. But when he went in, it was none of this. It was none of this. It was just balls to the wall, get the work done, HIT training, and get out. Because I see a lot of people, they go to the gym, they're taking selfies, they're saying, I'm going beast mode, but they're on the treadmill. It's like, bro, <laughs> you're not really going beast mode if you're if you're just walking on the treadmill. So talk to us, because like some some people, you know, and, and I, I'm so grateful for the group that we're in, we're all men on a mission. And... And like Ian was talking about last night, we're trying to free up our time so we can do the great things in our life. But if you're just spending two hours in the gym and putting in 15 minutes of work in the gym, that's not going to get it either. So how do you get a per get a person to, you know, start taking it seriously and not a social hour at the gym? So here's the thing. I can't. They have to. Um. And what I try to line up is this. Um, I can be a GPS for somebody, right? Like I can help guide you, but you're driving the car, man. There's going to be delays. There's going to be roadblocks. I can help you get around them and help you navigate it. But ultimately, the drive is yours. I can help you identify your real reason why you're there, why you want to get better. And I can support you, and I absolutely am. But you got to bring it. And the second people realize that this stuff is on us, right? Whether you succeed or whether you fail ultimately is on you. And so one of my, my word for 2023 is intentional. So if I'm going to the gym, I'm going to be intentional about it. If I'm talking to you, I'm going to talk to you, right? If I am talking to my friend, that's who I'm talking to. There's no outside distraction. And, uh, you know, let's throw it back. It's this. We have to eliminate the distractions. That's how I try to help them, right? Al align the priorities, align the habits, and then identify distractions, right? Let's let's go throw it back to 2002, right? WMDs, weapons of mass destruction. In our day-to-day, -day, it's weapons of mass distraction. Yep. And we have to learn to identify those, Right. And be intentional. Dude, if you want to sit on TikTok, great. Cool. If you want to do that with your time, I'm not going to tell you it's a waste of your time. It's not my life. What I can tell you is schedule it and be intentional about it. And when you're in the gym, be intentional about it. When you're with your family, be intentional about it. When you're doing something, give it 100%. If you only have 50% to give that day, give 100% of that 50%. That's my advice. All right. So now I'm going to ruffle a few feathers here. And it's okay because it's my show. Um, Bring it. But there's a certain Mr. Olympia 
physique competitor. I'm not going to say his name, but he won the Olympia a few times. Um, when he says you're, he's going to coach you, all he does, does is put your name, your age, and your weight in the computer, pops out a printout, and there's your coaching. There's your weekly coaching. So how do we go about getting finding the real and you know not falling for the fake gurus? Pay attention to what they say, man. Uh, but not just what they say. Pay attention to what they do. Um, working out matters. But like you alluded to earlier, you have to find somebody that aligns with you. Right? Like we align up. We're congruent. Yeah. Um, for me, it's three pillars of personal development. Spiritual, mental, and physical. They all go together. Yeah. Um you have to really just pay attention and be again, be intentional, right? Oh, but this works for my friend. You're not your friend. Find somebody that you can relate to. That matters. Find somebody you're comfortable with that you can open up to. And here's the thing. If they're just spitting you out a program and you're paying hundreds of dollars, nah, nah, you need to feel like you matter. Okay, so now talking about you and what you do, how, what do you do when a, a, somebody says, uh, Rich referred me to you, I want to get in shape, help me. What do you do different than, than a, a lot of the other uh, gurus out there or professionals? Well, if they said you sent them, then I'm probably going to tell them I'm full. Um, but, um, now, it, it all, what we have to do is identify what that person needs, right? What do you need from me? Because it, it's, it is a relationship, and in every relationship, both people have, people have needs, right? Um, so I'm going to identify, I'm going to have you set up your goals, tell me your goals, what you're looking for. Now, obviously, I'm going to have... Um, you know, places that I think it might be good to go, but my job is to meet you where you are, not where I want you. And that's crucial. And it, and I'm going to see kind of what I think is holding us back. So if you are somebody like, you know, you and I talk like, hey, let's just start by moving a little bit more and just cleaning this up. That may be it, right? I may even tell you, hey, you might not need me right now. It may be like our friend, Sean, where it's just like, hey, man, here's your workouts. You know, if you need something else, let me know. And they're for him. Um, it may be a different tier where we have to dig into your priorities and your why. A lot of people, we have to figure out their why, right? And so, and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not going to go into the full thing, but well, I want to be in shape. Why? This is a real life conversation. Well, I want to let go with my shirt off. Cool. Me too. Why? He's like, well, I want to attract women. Okay. Why does that matter? Well, I want a family. Okay. Why does that matter? Right. And he, he got to, he's like, well, then I want to be in shape to be able to play with my kids. And I'm like, okay, why does that matter to you? He's like, well, cause they deserve it. I was like, yeah, but why? And it turned out that his parents were so out of shape when he was younger, they couldn't play with him. 
So he never wants that to happen. Now, you want to talk about drive and a why? I haven't worked with that guy in years, and he still goes. He's got three kids, seven-figure business, and he still goes to the gym three days a week. My job, my goal for every person I work with is for you not to need me anymore. I love it. And, and that's the way, I, that's the way I, I was when I was managing GNC and training, training people like guys from the WWE and uh, Major League Baseball players. Now, let me ask you a question because me and you are here on this subject. Um, I believe like somebody, you know, high achievers, Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, uh, David Meltzer. Um, it's all about your evening routine. And your morning routine, it's what sets your day. Now, my friend James Clear wrote an amazing book called Atomic Habits. So talk to us about what your, because a lot of people will be like, I, you know, like when I when I go to buy a car, I want to see that the guy that's selling me the Dodge actually owns the Dodge or owns a Dodge. So talk to us about what your morning routine is and your evening routine man my morning routine i'm a freak i'll tell you that right now i wake up every morning at 3 a.m um because i'm a firm believer in this whatever you do first thing in the morning is your priority and i refuse to walk into the day scattered so my first 30 minutes of my day go to god right you shared this the other day, I believe, and it was before you go to your phone, go to the throne. Yep. How are you supposed to have a good day if you're not going to the person that gives you peace and gave you your purpose? Right. Number two, I give myself time to reflect, to think about my day, to think about the previous day and what I can do how I can make the world a little bit better. That may sound cheesy and cliche, but it's what I do. A lot of people try to give themselves that time at night when you're tired and anxious and exhausted. And I refuse to give myself the leftovers. Um, and then I dig into my client stuff. And I'm usually out the door by 4.15. Um, I already know what I'm going to eat. It's already packed in a bag. It's already logged in my... In my protocol for the day, I grab it and go. Simplify everything. And every moment of my day pretty much is scheduled. Um, my evening routine has been harder for me um, because I like to go to bed around 7.30. You know, a little golden girls and then go to bed, right? Because it's so early. Um but I do have these meetings at night. You know, we had one last night. I was on with Ian until about 830. I had one the night before with, uh, and I actually passed out on that one. And I'm terribly sorry with two coaches of mine, Jake Havron and Emily Ford. And they are incredible people and amazing inspirations. And it's actually her that unknowingly helped me uncover that, that self-limiting belief. So I have those things till 930 and eight o'clock. Um, but the days that I don't, you know, my phone goes on shh mode is what I call it. And it goes brown and nobody can message me after seven o'clock. Um, and I read, I light a candle and I read and I reflect on my day. What did I do? Well, what could I do better? What am I going to do better? And then I give God a little bit more time 
and read basically until I pass out. Okay, so now, like I said, most high achievers that I've talked to, especially Ed Milet, um, which is one of my my mentors, and um, my friend David, he said, you know, gratitude is probably the, one of the best things you can have in your life. You know, he, like he talks about, um, you know, David Meltzer is the guy that actually wrote the movie Jerry Maguire about. He was on the show last month and he says, you know, gratitude and anger cannot occupy the same space. So for me, when I before I go to bed, I say, you know, I say my prayers and I and I tell Lord, you know, three things that I'm grateful for for that day. And then I pray for my wife before I go to bed. And then when I wake up in the morning, if I open my eyes and I can see something because I went blind three years ago. If I can see something, then I say, you know, Lord, I'm grateful for today. It's going to be an amazing day. So I think if you go to bed with gratitude and wake up with gratitude, I think your whole your whole day is 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 going to be, you know, you're going to be able to move ahead because you're grateful for the day that's coming ahead. You know what I mean? Instead of just saying, oh, man, it's Monday again, you know? Man, 100 percent. And it's so true. That's part of my time with God and reflecting with myself. And, you know, I have this uh, belief, you know, we talked about it a little bit before. If everything that you didn't say thank you for or and pray about and say you were grateful for today was gone tomorrow, would you appreciate everything just a little bit more? Because yeah. I think you would. If you wake up and say, oh, crap, it's Monday. I hate Mondays. You need to take a look at your life. I love Mondays. I freaking love every day. And I work 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 hours a day. And I love it. Because I'm in my purpose. And I'm so grateful for that. I had to go through hell to get here. But you know what? It's worth it. So I 100% agree with that. Gratitude is everything. Availability, vulnerability, and gratitude will change everything. I love it. So, okay, the last couple of questions. Um, as we know, this is a teaching podcast also. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, and then we're going to also talk a little bit about getting back in shape. So, you know, veterans make shitty employees because, you know, we know that when we get to the water cooler, at nine o'clock and, and then they have lunch at 12 then they're home at four o'clock and we, we know what well, wait a minute there's shit to be we still got shit to do so you know so talk to us about what it's like um being an entrepreneur and what is what the great things have you learned from the military that have helped you being an entrepreneur man um that you work until the job's done it's actually a little bit different People have asked me what transferable job skills I got. I was like, I don't understand breaking, entering, and murder. I don't know how those transfer. But, um, you know, that's one that I'm still looking for. Um, but I know that I, I, I did learn this. You know what? I did learn this. That if you surround yourself with the right people, just like in the Army, people that you trust, people that become like family, then you can accomplish anything. And even on your crappy days when you're down and you're tired and you're exhausted, which I know I am, and I know you are, they will 
be there to help hold you up because you can't do it on your own. All right. So now most of the, my perfect avatar that listens to the show I, and I found my perfect avatar. Um, I had to go an inch wide and a mile deep. Like my brother, John Lee Dumas, which is one of my mentors taught me to do. Um, my average, my perfect listener is a 45 year old male father of three veteran struggling with mental health issues, also struggling with physical issues. Cause we knew that when we were in the military, whether we were drunk, hungover, we're still doing PT at zero five, um, sit five days a week. And then when we get out, you know, we get fat, dumb and happy, you know, pre-diabetic, diabetic, high cholesterol. So if there's a guy out there that's listening today and he wants to get healthy, not just get in shape and for all, all the fluff, but wants to actually live, what three pieces of um, advice would you give that? For how would he start? Wow, man, you could have given me a syllabus so I could have answered this ahead of time, man. That was, why are you bringing it to me like this right now, man? Like, can I get some of that coffee first? Like, what is, really? Um, number one, be real with yourself. And identify, I posted about it today, what's been holding you back. And look for the common trend. Right? And if there's only one common trend and it's you, then it's you. Um. And that it's okay to go get help, whether it's from a pastor, whether it's from your friends, whether it's from a therapist, and in my opinion, all of them. Um, number two, write down your priorities. Write down your priorities in order. Next, write down what they really are. And we identify that by looking at your calendar and where you spend your time. And look at your bank account where you spend your money. Odds are they don't line up. I've only had one client where they ever lined up right off the bat. Because those are really your priorities. And if you want to know why you're not getting where you want to go, if you're sitting there being a hypocrite and lying to yourself about what your priorities are and what you're actually doing, you're never going to get there. Number three, understand that your strength is in your vulnerability. That's going to be a hard one for veterans. That's going to be a hard one for addicts. That's going to be a hard one for a lot of people, right? But it's really, really hard to grow unless you're open, honest, and vulnerable with yourself and those around you that matter. So those are, uh, you know, you gave me a hard question. I'm going to give harder tools. Well, that, that, but that's what this whole podcast is. This is not unicorns, rainbows, and, you know, fluff. This is real, you know, down, down in, down, you know, down in earth stuff. So last question I have, but I'm actually going to make it a two-part question just because it's you. Um, we know that we live in a screwed up world. You know, we live in a very busy world. Um, so if I ask somebody to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it because we're such a, in a busy world. You know, um, so now, but if somebody's watching our show and I ask them to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So I'm going to ask you a two-pronged question. First, if somebody is struggling with their business, what can they do in the next 24 hours to get help? Second of all, 
if somebody is, because I believe that if you don't feel close to God, you're the one that moved. So if somebody is struggling with their faith and is looking to find peace, what can they do in the next 24 hours to find some peace? I know those are easy questions. Oh, yeah. So easy, man. Thank you. You're too good to me, Rich. Um, well, ironically, my first one for business is pray. And I know that sounds funny. But again, where's your purpose coming from? And if you got off track, it ain't going to work. You're missing the point. Second answer to that would be this. Find somebody that's already doing what you want to do and reach out to them. Because in my experience, and I know yours, if that person made it themselves and they see you busting their butt, just like somebody in the gym, they're going to help you. The amount of people that are helping me along my way because they see that I'm true and see that I'm honest and that I care, it's incredible. They will help you. Don't be afraid. Don't go to the guy right one step up. Go to the guy that's already at the top. He'll throw you a rope. Second one, with your faith, if you're struggling, we'll, we'll do this one for, for your avatar, right? It's pretty close to mine. You ever sat there and tried to watch a football game and you want to hear what the announcer's saying, but wife, kids, friends, they're all running, they're all talking, right? And you can't hear what the announcer's saying. I'm sure that's never happened to you, right? No. Did the announcer stop talking or could you just not hear it because there were too many voices distracting you? God is still talking to you. Be still and be silent. And listen. He's there and he's talking to you. Wow. Uh, I, and I'm getting all choked up inside. Uh, so, uh, wow. Thank you, brother. So now, last question is, I, I think your Instagram profile is on fire. Um, I, I love everything you're doing. You really stepped your game up. So, but how do we find you? How do we support your mission? Man, that's one, uh, you know, I'm always humbled by, truly. Um, go to my Instagram if you like my content. You know, go to my website. The YouTube channel is coming. Um, I'm a little bit behind on that, I'll admit it. Um, but it's Matthew Head, as spelled right there. Um, and message me, and we'll talk. Um, and the next thing that's coming, you know, this that I'm very excited about. I also have a workshop coming to, for men to help align their priorities and their habits. Right. But the one I'm really excited about is, um, and I'll share a piece, you know, if you want to share one of them, um, not right now, but maybe for your blog or whatever is that I'm writing a book. Um, and it was completely unintentional, man. I was just journaling in the morning. That's the piece I missed. Sorry, you know that I do that. And I totally missed my cue there. Uh, part of my me time is I write. And what I found was coming out was me just pouring out these incidences that happened um, to me, for me, with me, by me, whatever. 
And then I was writing down the lesson I learned, but then I started writing these invitations for people to look at their own life. And it's a daily personal development devotional for men. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be you matter, bro. Um, reflections of a professional hypocrite. Um, I can't wait. I'm so pumped. I can't wait. I want to be, I want to order my, I want to be the first one to order and I want to autograph copy. Man, you know it, you know it. So guys make sure, you know, reach out on reach out, check out his Instagram. Um, he's dropping some serious knowledge every day and the videos just keep getting better and better. Um, also guys, like I said, if you love coffee, make sure you pick up some vertical momentum coffee. Also, if you're a man that wants to get where we're going and go above and beyond, uh, make sure you, you check out the Phoenix club and write that below. And, and I'll get that information to you join us so we can, I believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. So as we grow, we're all going to grow. And guys, uh, remember my tagline is, um, Today I decide. Now, I'm a big Joel Osteen guy, um, and he always says you can be the victim or you can be the victor. I want you guys to decide today to be the victor and not the victim anymore. So, Matthew, brother, I'm so grateful and humbled. Thank you for everything you do for me, and you're always, always welcome in my home anytime. Man, right, I appreciate it. Stop trying to make me cry. I don't need that again. I've already done it like three times today. Um, I love you, man. And everybody listening, you matter. Um, and I don't know you. If people can hate people for no reason, I can love everybody out there for no reason. So I love it. that's what I'm going to do. All right, guys. So I'm not going to be talking to you until next year. So like, like my, it says vertical momentum. The only way to go is up. I love you guys. Have a happy and safe new year's. And don't do the new year, new me bullshit. Just change your life. Matthew, have an amazing week, brother. You too, my friend. Be good. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.